0: Welcome to Spirited Word, by God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where he pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. reading from the third chapter of the gospel according to St. John, beginning at the first verse. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with every everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. What do people believe around Europe around our postcode 5355 always wondering about that always thinking about that what do people really believe about God and church and life and all of that? Well well Christians around the world, of course, have always marveled at the beauty and the mystery and the astounding reality that God's word reveals, that God is, that God is one, and yet God is three, three faces or three persons, as best as we can get in English. A holy community, a perfect loving relationship that freely includes... Forgiven sinners like you and me in God's holy circle. But does anybody know this? Does anybody marvel at this? And so reap the great benefits of being in God's holy community of love, belonging, peace and all of those wonderful gifts. Well in my search for these kinds of things I came across some research during the week conducted among about 3,000 young adults like that in the US. Uh, Generally they found, and I'm wondering whether it's transferable to our community here, you'll be the judge of that, they basically came to see that young people, young adults and maybe people my age and below and their children do have a faith of sorts as you kind of heard there the researchers suggested uh, that they found so many people in our modern Western wealthy culture uh, settle for what they named, and they're big words, aren't they? Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Let me explain. And the way to explain it might be to look at the four or five major beliefs that they discovered in our modern western culture here we go number one a god exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth that's the deist part there is a deity as they said a first cause a source a great power that makes the trees bud and makes pruning possible for all these vine growers at the moment etc etc so there is a force or a Something that makes life and the planet move. Okay, so there is a God, a deist. There's a, there's a deity. Number two, God wants people to be good and quite nice to each other and fair to each other as they are taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Interesting. So that's the moralist kind of bit of those big words. Whatever deity or force or God there is, it's important that we be moral, that we treat each other well. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about one's self. And matched with that, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life most of the time, except when God is needed to resolve a problem if you put those two together, then God's like a bit of a therapist. You know, you don't need him most of the time, but when there's a problem, he'll fix it for you so you can stay happy. Someone said God is like a divine butler. And the last one, good people go to heaven when they die. Again, that moral thing. Okay. Okay. What do you think? What do you think? Do you hear these beliefs that work in your family and around our town? I certainly do. And truth be told, I hear it in the church as much as in the community. Someone of oh, the researchers put it like this. <clears throat> God is something like a combination of a divine butler and a cosmic therapist for most people. He's always on call. He takes care of any problems that arise, like a butler. He professionally helps his people to feel better about themselves, but he doesn't become too personally involved in the process. Well, what do you think? Do you hear this? I certainly do. Along comes God, in his divine word, revealing that these beliefs have very little to do with him at all. How did we get so far off track? Well, the researchers suggest that among everyday Western people, at least in America and I'm guessing in Australia, we are witnessing a big shift in belief. Christian teaching and belief replacing the sovereignty of God and his high place with the sovereignty of self, us at the centre, the selfie world. But God the Holy Trinity, the divine creator, saviour, sustainer of life, giver of life, still loves and still speaks. I did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world and these beliefs, but in order that the world might be saved through Jesus, through him. The God revealing himself in the Bible is no mere divine butler for our lives and he is neither a cosmic therapist to fix our problems so that we all remain happy. He is so much more than that. He is the only one, you know, as Jesus said, who has the power, the ability and the right authority to condemn us all on any given day. And yet, he chooses to not condemn us. Instead, he chooses to speak to us. He chooses to speak to him, us as our loving creator, our life giver, yes, our final judge and reckoner, and our committed saviour in all of our wrong or right belief. Okay, let's check those beliefs again. A God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over from a distance. We hear and confess that God did indeed create the world and all we know and understand and that he does indeed guard and watch over his creation but never from a distance, never from a distance. He is not a watchmaker who set the whole place going and now leaves it unchecked. God is involved, don't we know, up close and personal so closely associated with and interested in his creation is God, then when it broke and the relationship between he and his beautiful creation was severed, he moved to fix it, to mend it, to heal it, to transform it, first through a long, long, long story of his people Israel and then finally through a person Jesus of Nazareth is the one who claimed to be God himself in the flesh, in the world, in the muck and in the brokenness of our broken lives, up to his armpits, if you like, which, by the way, was spread-eagled on the cross for the life of the world and raised triumphantly as he ascended to rule the world, not with power and guns and all of that and politics, but with peace and forgiveness and grace and the word. Number two, God wants people to be good and nice and fair to each other. God's expressed intention is, yes, it's good for us to be nice to each other and to be just, but his expressed intention is not that we be good and nice and fair to each other, but that we be resurrected to new life in him because he is good and he is just and he is fair. This new life is all as a result of his good grace. By his grace, through simple trust in what he has given in Jesus Christ, who has poured out love and forgiveness into our heart, we are made new. So we are not nice to each other. We love each other. And they're different things, aren't they? Because love sometimes has to be tough. Love sometimes has to suffer. Love sometimes has to challenge. Love is always self-sacrificing. It's got very little to do with being nice. The central goal of our life... Is to be happy and to feel good? Oh, friends, we've touched on this one a few times, haven't we? Happiness is a human invention. The gift of joy. Now that's God's gift. That's a divine gift. It's deeper and longer and wider. The acceptance and love of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit, first given in our baptism and then every day since and especially here in this gathering with his gifts, That is very difficult to be separated from if you read Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, says Paul. And there is joy in that gift, in that wonderful belonging. God's expressed goal for us is not happiness. God's expressed goal for you is Him. Him. Him alone. Father, Son and Spirit, belonging in him. The expressed goal, a loving, living relationship with him. As we are loved and named by him as dearly loved son and daughter, then of course we act in justice and fairness and we love each other in the good and in the bad. For God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when there's a problem. Well, you try telling God that. You know, you try telling God that he shouldn't be involved in your life. Good luck with that, as we say. He will refuse to be relegated to the bench. He will never put on the red vest from your life or from his beautiful world. God is our Heavenly Father, our loyal, loving advocate, defending us, guiding us, calling us, shaping us, fighting for us, protecting us, challenging us when we need that enabling us to live fully and freely in his marvellous grace. Last one, good people go to heaven when they die. Do they? Really? So convenient, isn't it? So convenient and yet so earth-shatteringly deflating. Very convenient because all responsibility for faith is And actually, following Jesus and obeying his word and trusting his presence and his gifts and his word, especially in suffering, all of that is removed. And it's so deflating because who on earth could ever say with confidence that they're good enough? How do you know you're going to make it? Good people, my friends, don't go to heaven. People made new by a very good and gracious God are already in it, now in part, one day in full. People don't receive heaven now and later because they are good. Sinners are placed in God's heaven now, in part, one day in full, because what? Because He is good, not because we are good. We are placed by God, a very good God, into his heaven now and later because he makes us new by the gospel and by his relentless grace every day. So friend, can you hear today on Holy Trinity Sunday the Lord calling you and inviting you enlightening your very mind and soul, setting you free again to live in the Holy Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, to accomplish unimaginable outcomes for our community here. But there is a challenge here, I believe. As a community in Newry, our young adults and our teenagers and our children have been listening very carefully to us. And they have been observing their parents and their teachers and their pastors and their friends and their mentors with diligence and insight. And they understand something. It seems from what the survey said and what we understand about our culture, they understand just how little their parents really believe and just how much many of their churches and Christian organisations have accommodated themselves to the dominant culture. Our community in general and the young in particular sense the degree to which faith conviction has been sacrificed on the altar of individualism and the pursuit of happiness. Viewing the truth as quite relative or merely an intellectual thing not to be concerned about or nothing to do with spiritual power and presence Definitely a matter of personal choice only. And they have learnt from their elders that actually self-improvement is the one great goal of our culture. The expectation to which all people are accountable and they have observed the fact that the highest aspiration of those who shape our culture is to what? Is to find Happiness. We parents, mentors, young people, pastors, Christians in God's community together face a challenge to evangelise, to gospelise a community that largely still seems to consider itself Christian. They believe in some deity and they believe they're pretty good and that should be enough, they say. This has no connection whatsoever to the historical and biblical faith, which we say we belong to and we live out. Friends, our challenge is to repent, to repent and believe and to trust. Our challenge is then to speak to each other, to speak God's word, God's healing gospel to each other a lot. Our challenge is to share and to do God's word with each other as his holy community in this community. And our calling at St. Petri is to listen to God's spirit word with the eyes of our hearts wide open that we may help each other and especially the young know Jesus better. God, give us the grace to meet the challenge. Amen. And the peace of God, which is beyond all of our understanding, keep our heart and mind in Christ, in Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St Petrie Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. Sai